This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am J.P. Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. J.P., how are you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. I know we talked last week about how we were slugging it out, and Rob joked, he's like, we should do something that like is really uniting yeah. or brings us together, a makeup song. Yep. Um, and we picked one that I think fits that Perfectly. Absolutely. And I have a tie-in that I'm going to get there. So, former co-worker of mine that I don't talk to anymore, um, not because of any bad terms, <laughs> we just don't talk, um, would tell a dad joke every day. To, he would tell me a dad joke okay. every day. He listens to the podcast. Okay. So, this is for you. You know who you are. Okay. I'm, I'm going to Google the first dad joke that okay. comes up. I'm just looking up. I don't know what. I have the words dad jokes typed in. I'm going to hit it. Okay. And whatever one the first one is, the I'm going to read one. it. Long Here as we it's go. clean. So, as long as it's clean. If it looks PG-13, <laughs> I will keep scrolling. I'm at the mercy of the internet. Okay, here we go. Which bear is the most condescending? I don't know. I'm... A panda. Oh, okay. okay. Well, that's, All right. That's okay. okay. So, All right. Anyway, there's your dad joke. Okay. I tell some, some dad jokes every now and then. Not yeah. dad jokes, but cheesy jokes, so that's it. Um, forgiveness, not harboring. Yeah. That's what this song's all about. That Let's, is. You know, time heals all wounds, but this song makes it go faster. Oh, that's good. You know? Yes. Oh, wonderfully played. Rob, tell them what song we're talking about. Cue it up. Play it. This is Between You and Me by DC Talk. Friends again already. That's right. That's right. We've you know? reunited, and it feels so good. Yeah. If you're just joining us, if, you, if if this is the first time you've listened to the show, uh, we we uh, a couple times a season do rivalry episodes where we actually go head to head instead of you know we always talk about what we love together. But a couple times a year, 
we uh, we go head to head on something, and we just finished that for this season. So um, we just jokingly said it. it actually just happened to work out timing wise. Yeah, we had already had this song though, in the cooker. We, we were should... deciding actually between this one and another one. Yeah, so it helped put this one over the cliff. Yeah, uh, we should do that every year. We should try and find a a um, you know a healing a song. song. Yeah, a makeup song after Rivalry Week every That's year. Good. That'd be a fun challenge. I like that. <clears throat> so challenge, that was... challenge accepted. That was Between You and Me by DC Talk from the 1995 album Jesus Freak. You may have heard of it. <laughs> Written by Toby McKeon and Mark Heimerman. Um, and for those of you, I, it's funny because normally if we do a, a, if we cover a song that is by a CCM artist or Christian artist, uh, we have to say something like, you know, you may not know this, you know what I mean? You may not be familiar with this artist or whatever, but I feel like pretty much everybody at least knows who DC, they know the name DC Talk. Absolutely. This was uh, an album that just, and we'll talk about it, but this album just blew up, went mainstream. This song in particular uh, was their biggest sort of mainstream crossover. It went to number 29 on the Billboard Hot 100, number one on the Christian AC chart, number one on the CCM chart, number 11 on the Billboard Hot Adult Top 40, number 24 on on the regular AC chart, 15 on the U.S. Top 40 Mainstream, number 6 in Canada. Uh, it won a Dove Award for Best Pop Contemporary Recorded Song of the Year. That's like the like the Christian Grammys. <laughs> it's a, or yeah. whatever, like, if there was a minor league Grammys, it would the Dove Award would be the Christian equivalent of that. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a double-A Grammy, uh, <laughs> kind of. And maybe most importantly, it went to number 12 on Casey Kasem's Top 40. There you go. There you Thank go. Casey Kasem. Casey Thanks for Kasem. stopping by. Yeah, Appreciate hey. you coming in. Um, oh, and we have a treat that we forgot to tell you. Yeah. We have a member of DC Talk. That's right. We have C. We have. C is with us. <laughs> I don't know. No. I don't know. It's neither one, actually. No, that's, it's, it's not D or C or, or T. talk. It has nothing to do with their name. Yeah. But Kevin Max of DC Talk is joining us at the end of the episode to talk about his time with DC Talk, his uh, new project that's going on, and uh, lots more. We had a great time with, with uh, Kevin and uh, K Max. There you go. Kevin Max Smith. There you go. He's the man of many names. Um, but uh, yeah, it was really cool to get to talk to. If you, you know, if you grew up in the like Christian community, if you were a CCM listener, DC Talk was top of the heap uh, for a very, very long time. Probably still to this day, uh, the the biggest band in like Christian music history, don't you think? Yeah, if I could tell mid to late nineties JP that you're going to talk yeah. to him, I would be the coolest guy in the youth group, yeah. maybe the coolest <laughs> guy in the city. <laughs> of all uh, of Athens, of Athens, the metropolis, of youth camp, yeah, single oh, mountain sure. youth camp. Yeah. I'd be the man. Mm-hmm. Talk to Kevin, yeah. And what's a podcast? <laughs> uh, so this this song was a a big crossover. This was getting mainstream airplay. You know, main it's getting play on VH1 and MTV, <laughs> the video and all that stuff. Well, you said that. Have you, have you seen the movie The Internship with Vince Vaughn? He's no. like, you put it on the line, meaning on, they're like, he's talking about online, oh, but he calls oh, it on the line. But, you know, I mean, this really, truly was a, a mainstream crossover hit. It was top 30 on the Hot 100. That's that's, that's significant. Um, and so to that end, like, when, when this came out, I was 14 or maybe 15. Um, when it first hit, and uh, honestly, I thought it was Seal. I didn't know that it was DC Talk, and I was just on the, like, the sort of the cusp of, like, my CCM years, you know? So it hadn't fully happened for me yet. So I'm hearing this on, like, Light Mix 105 and Sunny 92.3, and I was 15, and I wasn't super paying attention, and I thought the voice that we heard in the first verse uh, was Seal, 
and it is in fact not Seal. It is Michael Tate of DC Talk. But the you, the vibe, right? If you play this back to back with like uh, maybe like Prayer for the Dying or something, right? By Seal, I think you definitely can uh, can hear it. You know, check this out. This is a little bit of um, that's probably the best one, right? Or you know, we covered Crazy, Crazy. by Seal, right? You were never gonna survive. But you, you can kind of hear 92.3. it. Ninety two point three nailed it. Killed it. Uh, I won't. I won't play it. But if you think about the, that era of Seal, you know you can you can kind of hear it, right? You can you can forgive me for that, right? You can. Yes. Okay. No, you had to think about it though. You did. Um, so anyway, Michael Tate. I'm sorry. I thought you were Seal. That's that's all I'm really trying to say. Um, and actually, let's. Why don't we play a little bit since we've been talking about Kevin Max? Why don't we go ahead and play the second verse because Kevin actually takes the lead on the second verse, so that uh, you can hear the voice that we're going to be talking to at the end. Um, and I actually, I prefer his. I prefer the second verse anyway. Let's go. JP and I were talking just before we hit record. I realized in researching that uh, I'd always thought of one of the lyrics in that second verse as wrong. And I said it to JP, and I was, he was like, oh, that's wrong? Like, Because he, he thought the we exact thought same the thing. We thought the exact same misheard lyric. The line that says, it's for I betrayed a friend. And we always thought it was for I'm a traitor friend. Like, I'm a traitor, comma, friend, and like a little play on words. Uh, but it's not. It's for I betrayed a friend. But it works both ways. It works, I think, equally well both ways. Um, so that was Kevin Max on the second verse. We'll be hearing from him later. Toby McKeon, uh, the third member of DC Talk, is actually kind of behind the scenes on this song, which is rare. Uh, a lot of the time, especially up until this point in their career, he was very out front. Um, but on this song, he's kind of just hanging in the weeds, you know. He's behind the turntables, maybe. And he's, <laughs> he's spinning the vinyl that's doing spinning the Spinning the wax. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, Kevin's voice, man, I, I just have always loved his voice. You can hear some influence in his, but he also has a very, just a unique voice and a unique delivery. He delivers with more confidence, I think, than anybody I have ever heard. Maybe he ba- ever. He basically sings all the hooks and all the choruses, for the most part, on the DC Talk stuff, because Toby's mm. doing the raps. Michael yeah. does a little bit. Uh-huh. But ba- you could arguably I mean, he's the voice of 90s CCM. Yeah, he is definitely. He's, of the the, vo- yeah. he's in that conversation. Yeah, for sure. And so he, um, his, he, you know, you can tell he's like, he's chewed up a little Bono, right? And You know what I mean? And, it's, and some of that's coming back out. Um, but uh, yeah, I just love his his voice. Just really cuts through in a way that that I really enjoy, and blends well with the other guys when they're when they're doing stuff together. Um, I want to talk a little bit of theory before Please we do. kind of yeah. start start digging into the song a little more because um, it's so cool. It the, the, the way this song gets from the intro and the chorus into the verse is weird. It shouldn't work because uh, the the intro and the chorus are in the key of G major. And then the verses are in the key of E major, um, and that's not really natural at all. Um, if you were if you were going to do that, typically you would put one in E minor, right? You would go from G major to E minor, but um, because 
E minor is the relative minor of G. Right. So technically, they're the same key signature if you were writing it down on paper. But um, so the the intro to this, let's let's listen and I'll I'll talk over it. But it's G E minor E flat, like an E flat major seven, um, and then an F chord. Okay, that's what we're that's what we're basically doing on the chorus. When it turns around, it gets a couple of different uh, chords in there, but that's the essence of it. And so then it does that a couple times, and then it goes straight from that F chord, F major chord, to an E major, and it doesn't feel weird. Um, and I'll tell you why. Here it is again from the top with those beautiful acoustic guitars. So that's an E flat major seven. minor, E flat, F and down, half step to E, and that's the one, and a B minor, then an A, A minor, so it's going, now we're in the key of E going one, five, minor, four major, four minor, does that a couple times. And then it goes into the pre-chorus, and the pre-chorus, you, we end up on a, a C major 7 to a C minor. They do this twice in the thing where they go, they play a chord's major version and then follow it by the minor version. Really interesting. Uh, and so I don't know if that was Toby McKeon or Mark Heimerman or some combination of the both of them, but props to them on that because it's unique. That's not a thing that is, you know, chord-wise, it's really interesting. This whole song is very engaging musically even. You know what I mean? The groove is really good. The chords are the bass and the drums sound fantastic. Yeah, they sound so good. Yes, yeah. so everything about this just sonically, it's a very pleasing song, right? It's very, it's it is sort of, um, you know, it's like it's like calming. I mean, it's um, you know what I mean. It's facilitating a repair of a breached relationship. Is is really what it is. Do you want to meet the guys that put it together? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's Why not? Hey. Let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. All right, we're going to meet the band that played on Between You and Me. Down with the DC talk. Are you? Yes. Okay. I am, turns out. Pulling out my big black book. Here we go. Okay. So on guitar, man, I talk about this guy all the time. Truly. But that's okay. He's he's my guy. Dan Huff. How many times I mentioned him? I'm trying to find something different that I haven't played. Play the intro (laughs) to I'm a Believer. Any chance I get to look up anything giant, Dan Huff, I I try (laughs) to play it. So we threw in a a few here recently. Look up I'm a Believer uh, by Giant. All right. Not the monkeys. Right. Here we go. And let's yeah. just hear some guitar powerhouse for a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he does this for a bit. It's, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. Dude, anyway, he's he gets so super good. fast here in a minute, but it's really pretty and awesome. So Dan Huff on guitar, um, on bass, Otto Price, aka Sugar Bear, bass for Kim Boyce uh, before he got hooked up with DC Talk. So Kim Boyce, a okay. former CCM uh, 
CCM kind of legend, I guess. I don't know. CCM big name at the time. Then he, Jason Halbert, and Jeff Deo formed Sonic Flood. Sonic Flood. And he's produced some of my favorite acts from Out of Eden, Rebecca St. James, Grits. I was a big Grits fan. Grit, oh, Not yeah. just the food, but the rap group. Yeah. I love me some Grits. Tennessee Boys, good stuff. <laughs> um, on drums, Scott Williamson. Okay, I'm excited to talk about this guy. Background vocals of, on House of Love for Amy Grant. Solid. Drums on Windows of Heaven from John Elefante. Drums with For Him, Point of Grace, Brian Duncan, and the live drum. Toss me that I want to play this. Okay. I want to play this masterpiece. He played live drums on top on top of this uh, powerhouse hit. <laughs> Here, this is- Am I gonna know this? Not at all. <laughs> no, but you're gonna know the artist. Oh, oh, I know this. I know this. <laughs> this is Mission 316 by <laughs> Carmen. Mission 316 oh, by man. Carmen. He's the live drummer on top of the loop. <laughs> this uh, anyway. is one of the few Carmen songs I actually listened to because I was going to talk about this. This was on WOW 1998. Boom. Mission 316. Okay. Uh, and WOW, I was looking at... Uh, between You and Me, I think it was on WOW 97. Okay. Um, but the WOW was, is like the... Um, you know, it's we like the, the now that's what I call music. Yes, I was trying to think. It's Christian. a total ripoff of now this is what I call music, but it's yeah. So it's wow. But anyway, Carmen Mission Three Sixteen. Carmen, yeah. That's the drummer Scott Williamson, same drummer. Uh, also played with everybody CCM at the time. Michael W. He's probably on that whole album. Michael W. Smith, FFH, Jackie Velasquez. Then went on to play with Alice Cooper. Um, some stuff with Reba, Cletus T. Judd, Kip Moore. <laughs> wow. And then he's on a podcast favorite artist. He plays drums on Brother Bring the Sun by oh, Dave Barnes. Dun, 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 dun. There we go. Coming full circle. Scott Williamson. That's so, awesome. Drummer extraordinaire. Um, on Congas and Kabasa, Todd Collins, uh, stuff with the Katinas, Stacey Arico, and KJ52. Yeah. What Rob's? KJ52. 52. Sorry. sorry. There you go. He literally had an album called Co- it's, it's Pronounced 52. It's Pronounced 52. Yeah. I know, right? And, and I sold it <laughs> in Pathway, and I still messed it up. Um, on Double Bass and Hammond B3, Mark Hammerman, also a writer on this, legendary producer, backing vocalist for, here are all these people that he sang background vocals for. Garth Brooks, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, Michael English, Diamond Rio, BJ Thomas. Did I say Garth Brooks? Hey-o. Yes, he sang backgrounds for Garth Brooks. Yeah. Okay, then we enter into the three, the power three of yeah. DC Talk. Because they called Mark Hammerman basically the fourth member. Correct. He was the, he was the fourth, the fourth, uh, you know, the fourth man in DC Talk. So I told Rob before, this is, I, I had, I learned a fact when doing the Meet the Band section that I can't believe I've never noticed before. So Toby McKeon, vocals born, ironically, get this, do you know his name? Uh, Kevin Michael McKeon. Oh. Hear me out. I bet nobody ever picked Kevin, as in Kevin Smith, yep. Michael, as in Tate, Michael Tate. McKeon. So at wow. his birth. He's all three. At his birth, he was destined to form wow. DC Talk. Wow. So I was like, how have I never known it? So anyway, Dang. solo projects galore. I remember when Momentum came out and then Welcome to to how about said diversity diverse, yeah, welcome to diverse city city yeah. great name of an album sold 10 million albums won seven grammys Jeez. president of goatee records uh, married to amanda with five kids toby mac yeah. um on the other one of the other vocalists michael tate and you can obviously touch in things here if, if you want to add it. no go for it. You, you, got uh, it you got it i mean michael tate vocals uh, i met him after a nora jones show Took a picture of him walking in my car. Uh, I was on my flip phone. He was, couldn't find his car. I was like, is that Michael Tate or Linda Randall? Right. I don't know because they look identical. identical. Um, went on to front the newsboys. But, yeah, I took a picture. It didn't save. And I was like, I hate to do this. 
Can we do it again? So I. Uh, he's like, seriously, flip phone guy? Seriously, flip phone dude? So, yeah. So uh, maybe we'll post that somewhere. That it's, post. it's one thing to ask somebody for a, you for, know, a photo. for a selfie photo with a, with a, with a flip with phone. With a normal phone. Right? Once. If you're going to, yeah. If you're going to come with a flip phone, you got to have you that technology nail it. ready. Nail it. And I, I missed. You got to wind those things or something <laughs> to get them to take you a You got to charge like, it up. I'm <laughs> like, hey, can we plug it into the cigarette lighter real quick? You got to hold up the thing like the old Tommy photos That's where right. it like. Look into the Big bursts of light and dust flies everywhere. It's. I mean, it's a whole That's ordeal. Great. So that he was kind enough to let you to do, do that it twice. twice. Yeah. And then uh, Kevin Max Smith, who will talk with K Max uh, here towards the end. Yeah. So uh, we'll let him talk on himself. That's right. He was the. Uh, he's the. Well, we're going to talk. We had. We had a question that we needed to ask him about who was rap, who was rock, and who was soul in uh, in and DC Talk. So he'll. We'll let. We'll let him answer that. That's right. That? That's a good way to do that. Um, man. Okay. So I want to get into the song a little bit, and and really the the basis for the song um and I, I think this is the first time we've ever done this uh but i'm gonna read a little scripture if that's okay okay i don't want to sermonize but i do want to dig into what the song's about a little bit and so the the sort of the crux of the song you know in the chorus it says just between you and me i got something to say i want to get it straight before the sun goes down um and first of all, I want to say, I think more Christian music should start with, hey, I got a problem with you. You know? It's something we don't address enough. Uh-huh. Like, we're, Christians are bad at handling conflict. That's good. Because we want to put God's name on everything, and we're like, well, I think maybe God is just telling me that we're not supposed to be friends anymore. <laughs> Instead of doing the hard work and working it out, right? The Lord told me we should stop dating. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're yeah. seeing somebody else. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why don't you just say, you're dating Joey. Fine. That's okay? Right. It's cool. Um, so, but this, so this, this line, uh, want to get it straight before the sun goes down is a reference to a particular Bible verse. Um, and it's from the book of Ephesians chapter four, verse 26. Um, I'll read it with some context here, if that's okay, where really the bulk of the song's theme sits in this passage because it's just plain good. I, you know, I, I don't care if, if you're a believer, if the Bible is your thing or not, imagine how world, imagine how different the world would be if we took this short passage to heart as people, period. Okay. Starting with verse 25, it says, Therefore, this is the Apostle Paul, by the way. He's writing a letter to the Ephesian church, uh, if that matters. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. Why? That they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. If, If we could lock into that, can you imagine how radically different the world, I mean... It, it, just be kind and forgive each other. Everybody. Can you just, yeah, just put away rage and malice and anger and let's just work this out. You know what I mean? Yep. Work it out now. Don't wait. You know, that's essentially what that verse is saying. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. It's it's like, don't let this anger fester. It's not going to serve you to just let it sit. If we got a problem, let's talk about it and then we can move on from there, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think Christian music, my challenge to you is start more songs with, Hey, I got we're ha- we're we're in the middle of a thing. We got we got beef. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um so I, I I just think that's cool. So that sort of gives you a picture of where the song is coming from, you know, thematically. Um because they they are a Christian band and they were never ashamed of that. I mean the, the the album is called Jesus Freak. Like it's you know, they weren't trying to hide anything. Uh people did worry. So what happened was when when the album Jesus Freak came out, 
they signed a distribution deal with Virgin Records, which was a you know just a huge record label. So they were on uh, Forefront Records, which if you could say Forefront Records in the mid '90s for for Christian music, it was like that is a whole emotion that comes up unto <laughs> itself, right? Forefront <laughs> Records. Um, but um, but then they signed a distribution deal with Virgin, and and um, when they did that, they started intentionally pushing them into some mainstream stuff, especially this song, because they saw potential you know market value in it and they were right you know by the way <clears throat> but people started to worry uh because oh no what the dc talks they're leaving christian music you know what i mean they're trying they're selling out they're going mainstream blah 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 uh and they're like you know i mean it's called jesus freak you know like the, <laughs> i don't know what what else we're supposed to do you know here um but um but even on the i think on the radio version of this um, there was a part that's shortened where they're whispering, you know, there's not like in this song, there's not direct mention of Jesus. There's not direct mention of God. You know, it's just not in there. It's all sort of in the background and implied. And there's, there's scripture reference in there, but if you don't know it, then you don't catch it. Sure. But um, so people were like, oh no, they cut out the God part of this song. Cause there's <laughs> one, there's one like a spoken word piece sort of in the middle where something is whispered about God and they cut that part out for the radio thing, but it was really just to shorten it. It went, wasn't, it was not to edit for the content. It was to edit for the time. Yes. Yes. And so some people panicked like, oh no, they're, they're, they're cutting out, they're cutting Jesus out of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anyway, uh, a little more on DC Talk as a band. Uh, four Grammy Awards, six nominations. They won Best Rock Gospel Album for Free at Last, uh, Jesus Freak, uh, the live album Welcome to the Freak Show, and their compilation album Solo, which had one live track and then two tracks each from their forthcoming solo project. So they they w- technically have been on hiatus. They've done a couple of singles and a couple of like small things, uh, since like 2000, right? Uh, I think that's when it was, like 2000, 2001. Um, and they all sort of at the same time came out with solo projects. Toby Mac launched his solo career and has been the biggest thing in Christian music since. Um, and then Michael Tate had the band Tate and then later became uh, part of Newsboys, and he's been doing that for a long time. And uh, Kevin Max has been all over the place. He's done like literally everything and has put out so much music uh, since then of various and sundry kinds. Uh, everything from just straight up like poetry to, you know, his first album, which was a really extremely ambitious sort of a, like a real art artist establishing, you know, um, thing. And so they, they did a compilation album, really smart. He fronted audio adrenaline. For yeah, a he bit fr- that's right. For a bit. Yeah, that's right. Um, so for a, um, so th- they put out this album as DC Talk, and it was called Solo. And all the tracks are listed as artist-wise. Like if you go look it up on iTunes, all the it doesn't say this is Kevin Max, this is you know Michael Tate. It just says DC Talk, and it's got these songs you know on there. So that's the way it was presented. And so that album won a Grammy uh, for best rock gospel album. Uh, they were also nominated for best pop slash contemporary gospel album for 1991's New Thing. New Thing. That's with an A. N U. T-H-A-N-G. You know, he's doing it. You may have seen that that uh, <laughs> video of the kid the singing thing. it. Yeah, that's DC Talk. Um, <clears throat> that award went to Under Their Influence by Russ Taff. And they were also nominated for a Grammy for 1997's uh, Supernatural, which was the follow-up to the Jesus Freak album. Uh, and that was won by Denise Williams for the album this is my song. We'll we'll talk more about Denise Williams someday. Don't you worry. We will. We'll get there. Uh, they won Dove Awards out the anus. <laughs> Just so many Dove Awards. Uh, 
16 <laughs> Dove Award wins and another five nominations <laughs> on top of that. So 21 total Dove Award Amazing. nominations. Um, according to the Encyclopedia of American Gospel Music, the trio called themselves DC Talk and the One Way Crew. Originally, that was the original name. Uh, the name was later simplified to DC Talk, which came to stand for Decent Christian Talk. Though originally DC was Washington DC, where Toby uh, was was originally from, and they all met in um, uh, Virginia, I believe it yep. is at Liberty University, Lynchburg. Uh, Lynchburg. Okay, yeah. So that like the DC area, you know. Um, so yeah, so DC originally was Washington, but became Decent Christian Talk. Um, Decent Christian talk and the one-way crew. <laughs> I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the era that I listened to this music with yeah. my camping crew. Okay. So this was the John, Dave Boyd, Joel, all you guys, Daniel Light, RIP. You guys would love, Carrie, this was the music that we played. And I have so many stories that are tied to these songs. One right. in particular, uh, we were talking about the end times of the rapture whatnot. <laughs> where, you know, whatever. And... We're like, ah, stop talking about it. Like, turn up the music. And I, <laughs> on cue, we turn it up and it played, time is ticking away. Oh. Freaked us all out. We're like, no, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. So this was the music that, uh, that, that played. We had this group. This is the dumbest thing ever. We were Christians, but we rolled houses like on the regular. Yeah. And we called ourselves the Holy Rollers. Oh my <laughs> we gosh. We were awful. So th- it was one of those long weekends <laughs> where, you know, you're off on Monday from school. Uh-huh. And it, it wasn't, are we going camping? It's where are we going camping? Okay. So Friday night we go camping. We're like, let's just go roll this house. We do it, whatever. <laughs> Somebody you knew? Somebody, just, okay. we, neighbor, but not okay. really no acquaintance. Okay. Couldn't pick you out of a lineup, but wow. not enough. No, not a friend. Okay. So it was the closest house with the most potential. Okay. Big yard, I tons of stuff. So I was like, this is going to be good. <laughs> Nailed it. They clean it up. Saturday night, go back to the same house. <gasps> no. Twice, yeah. And we're like, so we're camping all weekend. It's like, you want to hit round three? It's like, let's do round three. No. So we go round three Sunday night and start, you know, whatever, and they're ready for us. Oh, and the guy that no. mom's probably not enjoying this part of the story, but <laughs> yeah, you know, guy steps on his front porch and says, you, you know, yeah. an explicit, explicit lyric, shoots a <laughs> shotgun in the air. <laughs> I'm in the eighth grade. Like, I'm in eighth grade. All my friends Yo. are in high school. They took off running. I hid in the back of the guy's truck for what felt like an hour. Oh. It was probably like four minutes or five yeah. minutes. But you're yeah. sitting there. It was the only place like I was on the back of the hat. Like, I was there. It's like, so I just jumped in the back of his truck and sat there for what felt like an eternity. Oh, my God. Finally, I run, catch up with him. They're like, where were you? I'm like, I hid that truck. They're like, we did it three times. <laughs> So, yeah. So, anyway. Wow. So, you guys that – I know that uh, you don't always listen to the podcast, but that story is for you guys. So, wow. remember that weekend that we hit the same house. DC Talk. Uh, your soundtrack for Rolling Houses. That's right. And I love I've, it. I've got a segue into Stump the Genius off of that. Wow. Because, okay, so – uh, we talked with Kevin. This was the CD, one of the first CDs I ever bought were, was New Jesus Thing Free, and oh, Free at Last. Uh-huh. It was two of theirs. Okay. Which means one of the last cassettes I bought would have been around the same time. Because, uh-huh. And I could, one of the last cassettes I ever got, if you look up this, this is gangsta. I can't believe that this was in Christian bookstores. It was Gospel Gangsters. Gospel Gangsters. Gang affiliated. So yeah. do yourself a favor and pull up that album. So we're going to play a game. <laughs> this is, we're going to play a game. Is this. Early DC talk, or is this gospel gangsters? Wow. I'm going to play five clips, and we're going to play Stump the Genius. Play the jingle. Stump the Genius. Stump the Genius. Stump the Genius. It's time to stump the genius. I take your part. I take your part. All right, so we're going to play Stump the Genius. Is this early DC talk, 
or is this gospel gangsters? Gospel gangsters. So here we go. Play along at home. Tell me how you do. And, and uh, here we go, Rob. I can't give you the whole thing because when the vocals come, it'll be a okay, hit. Okay, sure. Yeah, so yeah. I'll play as much as I can. I should have wrote down how long I can play, but we're just going to try it. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the songs. So here we go. Reverb clave. I think this is gospel gangsters. Is this gospel gangsters? That is DC talk. Oh, oh that is things of this world are Dang passing it. away from new things. Dang it! All right, here we go. Track two. You want to? You want to get to some vocals so I can prove it? It's not worth it. No, it's not. It's not yeah, that would. Okay. That's yep. Toby Mac. Okay. So here we go. Yeah. Track two. That's Gospel Gangsters. That is Gospel okay. Gangsters. And we're going to listen to this because this was maybe my favorite rap song. I love okay. this song. I, I, uh, What's it called? Why can't dummies hear me? I heard about the news. I switched my feet out my penny to my house shoes. It's Saturday morning. Anyway, I can do this whole thing. Wow. I throw my hajji, throw my hickeys, I hear a horn, and it's the homie G. Okay, anyway. <laughs> This is, this is DC Talk for sure. This is DC yeah. Talk. Okay. But yeah, uh, this is uh, the very first song off the very first DC Talk album. Look at this. This is the first track? The first track. This is like, welcome to DC Talk. Man. I'm pretty sure. Let me verify that. Jesus. I lied. Last song. Okay. I was like, there's no yeah. way this opened up. Oh, Heaven is the first one. Yes. Anyway. And this is Michael Tate. That's Michael Tate. This, he yeah. went from there. This is oh, where I forgot to ring the bell. Like, okay. Nicely done. Just listen to this for a second. Like, this is not done with like a wink. <laughs> this is done straight up. This is, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like on Jesus Freak, they basically do, they do a, like a, a revisit of Jesus Freak where they're sort of making fun of it. But this is him. This is straight up. Bringing it all he's got. Yeah. He's okay. like, this is what I bring to the table. So you're two for three, I believe. Here okay. we go. Oh. Mm. Getting some G-Funk vibes. I'm going to go with Gospel Gangsters. Gospel Gangsters. Hey. This is Do or Die, which is my other favorite song. By anyway. Okay. As far as early DC talk goes, I know, I know the hits. But off the first album, I don't I don't know very much. I, I would like if we got into Heaven Bound, I would know ha ha heaven, ha ha, ha heaven. <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever. So much reverb. Oh. I think this is I think this is gonna be DC Talk. This is DC hey. Talk! Well done with Children Can Live Without It. Okay. Also from New Thing. Rob, great job hey. on Stump the Genius. What, four for five? Did four, I go four for, for five. five. That's pretty good. Man, excellent. Make sure you pick up gang affiliated at the same time. They're like pointing guns at the camera, like with a Bible <laughs> down. It's like, how did they get away with some of this stuff? <laughs> anyway. Like actual guns. Like, all right. Well, yeah, yeah. here, Christian's here, here to shoot you. <laughs> Excuse me. Can we come in and talk to you about Jesus? And if not, we're going to shoot you. Um, yeah. So uh, one thing that DC Talk did, and we've talked several times now, and I'm telling you, people keep proving this to be true. So I'm going to stick with it until until somebody becomes, until there's more than one exception to the rule, okay? But they are proving, again, my theory that if you want to be an all-time great legendary artist, you've got to put together two iconic albums back-to-back, right? Um, 
and they had three. They really That's did. That's true. They had three straight albums that if you were in the Christian community at the time, you know at least every single from those albums. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that would be uh, Free at Last. Yep. And then followed by Jesus Freak, then followed by Supernatural. I mean, those were, I'm just going to, you know what, if, if, if you're not a, a student, if you didn't grow up in Christian contemporary music, maybe just scoot forward about three minutes. Because <laughs> I'm going to skim these three albums just to take us down memory lane for a second with, with like the iconic uh, stuff that was on those three albums from DC Talk. Take this boy for a ride. That's right. This is Love is a Verb, L-U-V. <laughs> Take this mark for a ride. Boom. You know this. Come on. Yeah. Boy. Down with the DC talk. Uh. Down with the DC talk. I mean, this was very progressive Absolutely. at the time. This is 92. Right? Yeah. And then we got, how about this one? Everybody knows. Cover. Right? The cover. And then they went so far as to go from Jesus is still all right to Jesus. I mean, Jesus is just all right to Jesus is still all right. Uh-huh. They like, they're like, we're going to get creative and bring it into the now, right? Then you've got, I mean, say the words, socially acceptable, free at last. Here's yours <laughs> that made you scared that you were going to miss short. the rapture. Carmen saying it's too short of time. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just take a little time. Time <laughs> It sounds stupid till the music kicks in, right? <laughs> hey. That still hits pretty hard, dude. I'm going to actually hit the chorus on this one for a second because K-Max is killing it on this chorus, too. Woo. That's pretty good, dude. Straight up rock and roll, boy. I don't know if you heard that on the right side. Let me get to that chorus, dude. Uh, it's kicking, and they did a cover of uh, Bill Withers' "Lean on Me." They've got <laughs> some great stuff, and of course, my personal favorite—I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this title. Go ahead, man. So I'll just play it for you. We're just two honks and a negro serving the Lord. We're just two honks and a negro singing our song. There we go. I don't know if that was even allowed, but okay. Um, so that there's that, right? And that's the album that, like, New Thing had done well, you know, the, uh, and, the, and the first album had sort of established them as, you know, something viable. But that one blew up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really put them as, like, this is, this is somebody to watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then Jesus Freak comes out and just... Sets the world on fire, right? Um, so many, I mean, it's literally almost every song of this was like a single. You know what I mean? It starts off, So Help Me God, which is still a bad to the bone guitar riff. And dude, this is so good. I always forget this little intro that I hate, but because <laughs> I just want the guitar and drums to come to straight kick in. in. Yeah. yeah. And this album, they go sort of. They really lean into the rock and roll instead of being more of a hip hop dance act. 
this album is sort of the first blending in CCM of rap and rock, which was really on the edge, you know? Anyway, so that's So Help Me God. You've got uh, Colored People, Jesus Freak, What If I Stumble, uh, Between You and Me, um, In the Light. I mean, come on. Mind's Eye, all these huge songs. And then three years later, they follow that up with like anticipation level so high after Jesus Freak. They follow that up with Supernatural. And Deliver. And deliver, right? It's got Consume Me, uh, My Friend, So Long, which I that might be my favorite DC Talk track. I don't, I, my, I just love it so much. And K-Max kills it on that song. Um, it's got Into Jesus, Hey You, I'm Into Jesus, right? Supernatural, Red Letters, uh, just, uh, there was nothing bigger in the Christian music world ever than DC Talk. There was, I don't think there's ever been maybe, maybe, like Michael W. Smith, maybe Stephen Curtis Chapman. You know what I mean? Like, but that's it. I mean, you talk probably the Mount Rushmore of all-time Christian music. You're going Michael W., Stephen Curtis, Amy Grant, DC Talk. And we're going to do this in a future episode with an artist, but those three albums, you could pick any place, and I'll be able to sing you the lyrics. Just from from wherever it is. Wherever it picks up, just because that's... Well, I grew up on. Yeah, it's good stuff. So anyway, they so anyway my my two albums in a row theory, two iconic albums in a row, and you're good forever. You're considered an icon. They did it three times in a row, Um, and so well uh, done, guys. Yeah, well done. Um, uh, This is titled in my notes: "Good Thing with a Terrible Name." Okay, Um, they they launched a thing called uh, Erase. Okay, and it's that's an acronym. It's E. R A C E, eliminating racism and creating equality. E race. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was launched in September 97. I'm reading this straight from Wikipedia now. Uh, when DC Talk participated in the racial reconciliation rally in Little Rock, Arkansas, the rally was part of a week long emphasis on racial reconciliation. In 1998, the group began the E race foundation to combat racism. Again, wonderful thing. Terrible name. <laughs> Uh, the foundation was started after four years of discussion and planning with manager uh, Dan Pitts and Goatee Records president Joey Elwood. The primary aim of the foundation is to educate and equip America's youth with an understanding of the importance of interracial unity. The foundation works on healing historically divided groups and healing rifts within the society. I'm all for the group. I'm all for the work they're doing. Let's do more of that. That name is awful. <laughs> Erase. Yo, Erase. Let's talk a little bit about a little bit more about the Jesus Freak album. Um, it went number one, of course, in the top, uh, us Christian albums, of course, uh, it went to number 16 on the billboard, uh, 200 albums chart. It actually debuted at number 16 on the billboard 200. Um, so that gives you kind of an idea of just how significant it was for a Christian music to have that sort of mainstream appeal. It's certified two times platinum in the U S uh, one of the biggest, most important albums in Christian music history, as far as industry impact and mainstream appeal, it sold 85,000 albums in its first week, uh, which was a record for CCM uh, that held uh, for a very long time uh, until DC Talk's next album, Supernatural, wow. which which broke it. Um, so, you know, and it really brought, like I said, the rock vibe into the DC Talk album and really brought the idea of Christian rock 
especially like heavy Christian rock into the CCM mainstream as legitimate. You had Christian rock bands, you know, already at that point. Um, but it was sort of, they were kind of a stepchild almost mm-hmm. or a subculture, I guess is a better way to say it. Yep. Right. Um, it's not where you were just hearing on the radio, but after Jesus freak hit, then Christian radio kind of dives into this leans into Christian rock for a good while. And um, Jesus Freak, the song, was the first non-adult contemporary song to win Song of the Year at the Dove Awards. Like, okay. it was, you know, before that, it's your, like, Sandy Patties mm-hmm. and, you know, that kind of thing. Your Larnell Harris's and, you know, that kind of thing. Your and, Sandy you know, your Patties Ma- is just a funny thing to it's, say. It's just, you know, and the Michael W. Smith's and, and, and that sort of thing, you know what I mean? But DC Talk comes in and kicks the door down with their wallet chains and their <laughs> whatever, you know what I mean? And they're, like, so, anyway... Um, Kevin Max said in an interview with CCM Magazine that Jesus Freak shifted the band also from feeling more like sort of two vocalists collaborating with a hip-hop artist uh, into something that felt like a real band effort. You know what I mean? They always, like, pitched in and whatever, but it was kind of the... um, And and K-Max, you know, talks about this in our interview, that that Toby was kind of the... um, he was the driving force. Yeah, exactly. Yes. He's the driving creative force. So he was always the guy sort of with the vision and blah, blah, blah. But here in these next couple albums, they, you know, sort of become evidently more collaborative. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, that's pretty cool. Um, what else you got? I got a couple covers I want to, I want to get to, but, uh, other than that, I think I'm spent on information. And then we got a great uh, interview. Hang around and, and meet Kevin Max with us. Oh yeah. All right. Let's do this. Um, let's start here with the, the more relevant cover. I have two covers I want to play, but this is a cover of this song between you and me, um, by Reliant K. This is from the album freaked exclamation point, a goatee tribute to DC talks, Jesus freak. And by the way, there's about, I don't know, 15 versions of this album, re-releases with bonus stuff. You know, at this point, it's 20-plus years old, uh, 25, 26 years old. Um, So they did a 10th anniversary edition, a 20th anniversary edition, a remaster, this thing that's all covers from Goatee Records, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, But this is the Reliant K version of uh, Between You and Me. And you know what? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. These chords are just soothing to begin with. So kind of as long as somebody doesn't botch them, it works. Have to mess up the G chord. Yeah. Little pop punk never hurt anybody. I love it. Sorrow is a lonely feeling. The transition. It's nice. Unsettled yeah. is a painful place. He enunciates a little better. Yeah. Anyway, it's really nice. Little melody change there. Yeah. So here's that A major. To A minor. Then we're gonna jump to a C. Oh, they kind of with a riff. Yeah. I like and it. To me, they sort of accentuate a different part of the melody on the "Just Between You and Me." See what you think. 
Is that what you hear as the melody? No, on the DC not Trumpet? at all. I hear just between you and me. Me right? too. Yeah. Okay. So I think yeah. they kind of pull a kind of pull a uh, you know a a what I talked about with the police and Weird Al when we were talking to Dave Barnes. They about put a ex- different part higher. Accentuate in the, mix. the yeah, accentuate a harmony as the melody, which is cool. Um, then I want to touch on this is something new that just came out uh, in January of this year, which I thought was super cool and I had no idea it was coming out. I'm a big Owl City fan. Um, I don't know if you are. You, you yeah, absolutely. love some Al City. Not, so. not as much the level that you are, but okay. I like him. Yeah, I've kept up with, you know, I really, really monitor everything that uh, that he uh, does, Adam Young. So uh, when I saw that he had come out with a cover of Jesus Freak, I definitely had to hear the Owl City version of Jesus Freak. Have you heard this? I have not. Okay. I think you're going to like it. Here we go. This is Jesus Freak, the Owl City remix. It's their original vocals and everything. It's just his. Kevin. Ha, ha. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Separated, I it bounces. I love it. If you know the original Jesus Freak song, you know, this is like, if it sort of smells like teen spirit, then it kicks in here with the bigger guitars where Toby raps over the big guitars, but this is, stays chill. Take it to the chorus. <laughs> I love it. That's great. I love it. One thing I really love about it, too, is there's like a little breakdown where they go, people say I'm strange. Does it make me a stranger? Okay, et cetera, et cetera. He does that part, of course, but um, he, but he uh, manipulates the vocals so that they bounce. So listen, so that they swing, I should okay. say, but it, it keeps this bouncy feel that he's going with the whole thing. Let me let me play a little bit of that. First time I heard it, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> triplet just going hard into the triplets people say i'm strange does it make me a stranger love it my best friend was born in a manger i love that's it. cool that's some extra thinking some extra thinking love the owl city remix of jesus freak that's great uh all right i think that's that's about got us. Um, we're going to talk to Kevin Max of DC Talk about his career with them, about his uh, new project, Sad Astronauts, and uh, all that he's got going on, his philosophies, and uh, all that good stuff. In the meantime, we'll be back at the end to tuck you in. But before that, uh, go to social media. Check us out everywhere, at Great Song Pod. Uh, or you can join the Facebook group, Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. If you want to be a part of helping us produce the show, you can go the extra mile and, and uh, support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash greatsongpod, uh, and you can support the show there. And we will say thank you by giving you stuff like early access, bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll be back to tuck you in and say your prayers. But uh, in the meantime, please enjoy our interview with Kevin Max of DC Talk. This is the Great Song Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with Kevin Max, a founding member of DC Talk, 
uh, member of many other things, poet, author, uh, writer, actor. He's done it all. He is the one and only Kevin Max. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kevin. We're real excited to talk to you. Good to be here. Excellent. Um, I, I want to start at the uh, at the at the peak of sort of um, DC Talk mania, um, where you guys were without question, I think the biggest um, celebrities, I guess if you want to call it that, uh, in an entire genre of music, um, at least among listeners like under forty. You know, um, what were the upsides and downsides of that kind of visibility? Well, I mean, uh, back back in the mid '90s, if you're if you're talking about the probably the the actual uh, I don't know, I would call it the apex sure. of our career. I'm I'm not sure if that's the right terminology, but uh, yeah, we were just you know three kids out of a, a, a Christian university um, that took off, you know, really really quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, our trajectory was pretty quick because we were on the road immediately with a bunch of different bands and, and, uh, people just seemed to really dig what we were doing because it was unique. And, um, you know, before we knew it, we had gone from, you know, halls of about 200, 300 people to, to two, two to 3000 to 20 to 30,000. Um, it just seemed, seemed to constantly compound and get bigger and bigger. Uh, as things do, I guess, for some artists. Uh, um, so it was, it was definitely intense. Like as a, as a singer, um, you know, every night when I got on stage, I was more uh, in tune with what I was doing as a performer um, than the actual crowds being there. But, uh, you know, at a certain point you start noticing, oh, wow, there's like, you know, 40,000 people out there and they're all singing the songs back to you. And and I know this is said over and over again and it's cliche, but um, I don't think there's a better feeling than that for a musician to, you know, hear people singing your music back to you. And, and, and through time, people really let us know that um, those songs meant a lot to them and, and uh, you know, kind of changed the way they thought about things. And it was pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. Was there a <clears throat> excuse me? Was there a, um, a a drawback to that kind of um, you know rise where I know a lot of people end up in situations where you know that it's it's either they feel like part of their privacy is taken away or part of their you know their life is impacted in a negative way as well at the same time. Was that the case for you and and for the band? I don't think it for us it wasn't necessarily a negative thing. I mean, it was just kind of like a. Uh, strangely i mean whenever we would perform it seemed like we were just you know building and building on what we had been doing so it was kind of a natural progress for us but um i mean yeah with it comes the whole you know you're on a platform and and people you know take everything you say really seriously and Mm -hmm. and uh you know if you take a step out of place or you say something kind of stupid from stage then you know it gets it gets uh you know, completely amplified and, and, uh, but we never had any, I don't think any really, you know, crazy things that happened to us from that standpoint, other than the fact that people, you know, really looked up to us and kind of put us on that pedestal of like the ultimate example within, 
you know, Christian rock, which, you know, we, we weren't really even sure, you know, if that was what we wanted to be, we, we, we kind of just made the music that we did and, and, uh, you know, we're able to get this, get this cool crowd that followed us, you know, y'all. Um, I kind of cut. I cut my teeth on you guys. Um, I, the very first CD I ever bought, my parents got a CD player from Circuit City, and I got a uh, I got new thing, and then I went to Walmart and got free at last um, at the same time. Um, and I followed that up with you mentioned your live show with seeing you guys live, and that was the first time I saw people actually like jumping off speakers. It was at the Memorial Auditorium in Chattanooga. You were with Out of Eden yeah. and Audio Adrenaline, and I was like. This is amazing um, because I hadn't seen people do that before. Who choreographed your stage show? How involved were you in that process? Or was that something that you had somebody that choreographed your whole stage setup? Well, I mean, it's it's no uh, surprise to most people that really know a lot about us that, you know, Toby was kind of like the, the, the main architect of everything that happened with DC Talk. I mean, um, and so he had a – had a huge idea of what he wanted to to have happen during the, the course of a show um at a certain i mean he he really got into staging you know where everybody was standing and what people were doing and i just tend tend to you know prowl around the stage and sing, <laughs> you know and and you know when the when the chance took me i jumped into the audience or or whatever i mean we all took turns jumping off speaker stacks i think at one point but <laughs> But, uh, you know, Toby was kind of the architect of that idea. Um, and, you know, when we kind of split up in 2000 and we all went our separate ways and I went solo and moved to Los Angeles and started making really weird alternative rock music. <laughs> um, it was, uh, you know, those kind of things just made you laugh internally because I went from, you know, these huge arenas to doing shows at the Viper Room looking around for a, a speaker stack to jump off of and it just, <laughs> it just wasn't tall enough you know it's like well if i jump off the speaker stack in the viper room i'm just gonna fall on the floor so. <laughs> uh you t- you mentioned uh, i'm a huge fan of stereotype b uh your first your first solo album um and I, I think i still listen to it pretty regularly i think it really still holds up very well you had some monster players on that i mean you had tony levin and um, Adrian Ballou and, you know, just, um, just a monster crew making that record. It sonically, um, was really, um, you know, impressive, um, especially for the, for the era. What are your, some of your reflections on the making of that? And, and I know, um, well, let's just start there. Some reflections on the, on the, on the making of Stereotype B. Yeah. Well, it was very intriguing because, um, you know, when the three of us decided to do solo albums, I think our, our record company, you know, didn't know what to expect um, because we hadn't played many songs. And, and, and the timing of that was really curious because we were on Virgin Records um, right before that as DC Talk. And, and um, you know, we had just finished Supernatural tour and all of that. Um, and Virgin out of Los Angeles was trying to push us still to radio. So when we decided to go solo, it I was still under the idea that I would be released on Virgin and um and then it kind of all the all the deals kind of fell through because the presidents changed hands at Virgin Records mm. and new presidents came in and they brought the Spice Girls in with them and nice. every every 
everybody under the the size of like you know Lenny Kravitz or whatever was just kind of tossed aside. <laughs> so um, I ended up making Stereotype B back on Forefront, you know EMI Records, and and uh, you know they had no clue what I was going to be making, and it was kind of funny because I you know I I had met Adrian Ballou at a show at Twelfth and Porter in Nashville. Um, he came out to see one of my shows and his wife came up to me after the gig and said, you know, I really think my husband should produce your, your, your music. And I said, Oh, okay. What has he done? You know, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about, you know, who she was talking about. Right. Like, of like, course well, you she, think he's like Adrian Ballou, me. you know, yeah. he's, he's played for David Bowie and he's, you know, played for the talking heads. And, and, uh, and then he produced a friend of yours named jars of clay. And I was like, Oh, okay. So then Adrian and I sat down and started hanging out and we became friends. And, you know, honestly, it was just the most amazing time um, because I had all these songs solo that I would play Adrian and he didn't dislike any of them. And he was just like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be the best album ever. And so he brought Tony Levin to the table. Uh, I called up Matt Chamberlain, um, who's probably one of the best, you know, studio drummers in, in, in the world. His stuff is so good. Um, and so, yeah, so Matt had come off, you know, from playing with Tori Amos live and, and um, you know, going into that studio, Matt, Matt, Chamberlain, Matt Chamberlain, I remember Matt Chamberlain coming up to me saying, I can't believe I'm playing with Tony Levin, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then Tony Levin would come up to me and say, I can't believe I'm playing with that Matt Chamberlain guy. <laughs> That's you know? so cool. <laughs> Adrian Ballou was like, isn't this a cool band? You know, Adrian was above it all. He was just kind of <laughs> zany and cool and psychedelic. And so we made this record um, in about two weeks at the Oceanway Studios in downtown Nashville. And it was just a bizarre bunch of songs that my friend Eric Cole and I had written um and uh subsequently we're now in a band together 2021 called sad astronauts and we're writing songs again together you're definitely no stranger to a wonderful cover album my favorite thing that you didn't write but that you covered is i love the serve somebody album i think it's wonderful um i grew up a huge fan of the call Uh, michael bean i think was one of the greatest writers ever so let the day begin is a great way to kickstart that um i actually discovered this is a funny full circle story i discovered the call because i listened to rust half a lot and he had a version of i still believe and so that hooked me on to the call and then i actually met you at a rust half concert funny full circle story there but um carrier's fantastic the your baseline on that is different than the mr mr version and i think that's a great tweak on that the way the piano hook carries pride in the name of love is wonderful um creed cool. uh, i serve somebody the dylan track I, I don't know if you know this but that was the only time dylan ever played on saturday night live he did serve somebody so that was one of the three songs he did yeah. and that slow train coming is an underrated album so when you're putting together a cover album are these songs that you're like these songs like shaped me or these are just songs that I really like what goes into putting together the perfect cover album. Yeah. So I've done three cover albums. Um, and just in case your listeners are wondering like who, who, you know, who is this guy? I mean, I've done, um, 18 solo albums, uh, since 2000, <laughs> um, and, uh, three cover albums. So one of the cover albums was more like eighties new wave stuff that we, made sound more like golden era crooner. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I know that's a strange combination, but 
we started with like Frank Sinatra type covers and then we went into songs uh, from bands that I loved um, growing up in the eighties, like the church, you know? Um, And uh, we, we we were going to do a Depeche Mode track and we decided to do other things. But anyways, that record came out starry. I surprise was just like songs that inspired me growing up and, and uh, serve somebody is the same thing. We did that record based on, songs that kind of informed me um spiritually growing up and i had covered bob dylan on my second solo record called the imposter or no sorry my third solo record called the imposter i covered uh when he returns from slow slow train coming and um and so i was very familiar with that record and i've always loved surf somebody as well um and we just thought that would be a great great tune um i'm trying to think of the the third covers record i did Uh, well it would have been the blood you know yeah so um and all of those songs you know from you know just listening to old old like gospel stuff that mahalia jackson would sing and and um you know i had a friend of mine dave perkins who was in a band called chagall gravara um you know, kind of give me some ideas for that album. So, you know, when you're doing a covers record, it's really important to to pick songs that, number one, were relatable to you and kind of shaped you in a way. And number two, kind of are cohesive together, you know? Mm-hmm. I love the Blood and album. I, I thought that was, was great. Um, I think your version of Up Above My Head, I Hear Music in the Air, the Sister Rosetta Tharp song, it's great. Yes. With, with Amy Grant and Vince Gill on there. That Vince Gill solo is money. And you've surrounded yourself. Absolutely. With, you I sur- mean, you know, and he also played on um, People Get Ready. Yep. And, uh, you know, it was funny because the day uh, before he had been in the studio with Amy and my producer at the time, um, William Owsley, he's he's since passed, um, passed on a uh, great, great artist on his own. Right. William Owsley was kind of known as this crazy good studio musician in Nashville. Um, he was great friends with Vince Gill and Amy Grant because he had played on stage with Amy years and years and years, you know, and he had Vince come by to play on people, people get ready. And I'm like, well, this, I kind of want to make this go kind of rock and roll. And he was like, Oh, you don't understand. Like <laughs> Vince Gill is like one of the best guitar players yeah. in the world. And I'm like, really? I'm like, like on a rock track. And he came in and, and just destroyed yeah. the solo on that song Probably his first take, I think. And <laughs> wow. we just both sat back and went, "Wow!" So it's no, it's no, uh, it's no surprise he's playing with the Eagles right now. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Like he's like he's that good. So. You, you definitely have a brilliant approach for supporting musicians through your whole career. Like Dan, I know Dan Huff played guitar on New Thing and Free at Last. Jackie Street on bass on Free at Last. Yeah. Uh, and then you had Carrie Barlow on your Between the Fence, and you, I'm a big Luna Halo fan. So the fact that you got Carrie Barlow, oh, on cool, there, yeah. I was like, Carrie that's... and I, K- K- we used to tour together in Europe. Um, um, me and Luna Halo, and so we used to call it Kalo. And, <laughs> uh, nice. And uh, uh, my band was Carrie on guitar, Eric on guitar, um, Chris Coleman, who was playing Luna Halo at the time, and and Nathan Barlow on guitar. That's so awesome. Basically, all of Luna Halo and me. Um, That's convenient. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but Chris Coleman went on to play for Kings of Leon, um, other bands, wow. and of course now Nathan 
lead singer of Lunar Halo is playing uh, for Keith Urban. Keith so, Urban, yeah, that's awesome. You know, music yeah. is cyclical, man. Keeps going. <laughs> my first, yeah. uh, my first noticing an, an awesome musician on stage like, that I didn't know going in was Otto Price as Sugar Bear when he played with you guys um, in DC Talk. So he's fantastic. So I was a huge fan of him. Um, One of the best showmen we ever had on stage. Absolutely. Um, Con- could control the stage like nobody's business. That's good. <laughs> yep. But he broke strings on his bass every night, and he would play completely out of tune, and it didn't matter. <laughs> I mean, people people just didn't care. Jeez. He was that good, you know? Man. Uh, okay, so you've been, you know, you've been touring for, what, 30 years, uh, you know, at this point. Um, and I know... Uh, you know, uh, you've done a lot of stuff in uh, in like the Christian arena, and so you've been in a lot of uh, churches, church events, you know, that kind of thing. And then you've also been in your like, you know, theaters and um, and you know those kind of things as well. Um, in in all your time touring, all your time as a um, as a headliner, who's the weirdest opening act you've ever had? <laughs> You don't have to name names, but just some some well, I mean, weird solo, experience. Solo, obviously, when I broke away from Christian music and just went general market and and started, you know, I had a lot, I, I'm open for a lot of interesting people, yeah, but, um, or and people interesting people open for me because I was playing Sunset Strip a lot, so that, that would that would be easy for DC Talk. Did you say who we opened for or who opened for us? Who opened for you? Who was, who's like the weirdest oh, opening yeah. experience? Well, this would be a really easy one. Um, <laughs> it was the, it was the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, uh, okay. And we played a show in Detroit. I think it was Detroit. Um, and it was us, Goo Goo Dolls and uh, Fiona Apple. Wow. And, uh, it's an interesting combination yeah. of uh, yeah, of a really interesting combination, really. And you know, when Goo Goo Dolls finished and we were, came out, like half the crowd left, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh, you know. And I feel bad for Fiona Apple too because I'm like, it's like this is not cool, you know. It's just like they were all there for Goo Goo Dolls, and and because wow. they had this huge, massive hit, right? Yeah. And our song was, you know so small in comparison and i guess so was fiona apples but it was like you know that song iris just kind of like destroyed uh music you know play play playability for a while i mean it was yeah. everywhere that's, so that's a fun talking humi- point between me humiliating because we, we got on stage for yeah we're doing this huge you know big rock show and you know half the people just walked out so it, Strangest and most humiliating would have to go to that. Um, <laughs> solo, what really interesting was I did Viper Room shows all the time uh, as a solo artist when I first moved to L.A. And the strangest opening thing that ever happened, and there were a lot of them, because <laughs> uh, I, I had Warren Cucurulo of Duran Duran and Missing Persons play in front of me and we did a couple of songs together Duran Duran tunes. Um, cause I'd written with him, uh, in LA and, uh, man, I, I had everybody from Katy Perry to, um, uh, one Republic and bands like that, that played in the same night as we did. But the weirdest opening act ever 
was Gene Simmons of Kiss. Oh um, man, that's cool. S- selling his uh, perfume on stage. <laughs> <laughs> he did some. It was a weird like. He did. He did something where he came up and he was selling Kiss cologne or something um, before the show, and I can't remember like if it was just kind of like a funny gimmick thing that he decided to do, or if it was something that you know had been publicized at Viper Room. But it was <laughs> it was very interesting, uh, and I just Jeez. remember thinking, okay, well, Gene Simmons was just on stage. <laughs> That's so awesome. going to be a, this is going to be a great night, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Man. that's a so, great that's a uh, that's a great story. Yeah, yeah. Truly, I, I mean, that club was so weird because on um, any given night you'd see somebody in the in the VIP table, like right in front of you, you know, and it was just always a, a blast. Um, I got a question, just one more follow up on a live show. So I, I saw you guys on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno a long time ago. You're on keyboards, y'all did Jesus is still all right, and I remember staying up late to watch that night, and that was the first time I was like, holy cow, this guy plays keyboard. I didn't realize that. Uh, you got the band that would become Grits dancing on stage behind you, and Rebecca De Mornay was on that episode. But yeah, when you write, do you write at keyboard first, lyric first? What's the writing process for for Kevin look like? When I when I write Right, it's, it's it can be a a host of different things. I I play a little guitar, so you know sometimes I might you know try to scratch something out on the guitar. I'm not I'm not a great guitar player by any stretch, so it's usually a keyboard. I usually sit down. I have an upright in my studio, um, and then I have a I have a synthesizer controller. Um, so I usually go to I start on the piano, and when I'm writing on the piano, I I inevitably start sounding like the Beatles uh, and John Lennon, because that's where my head starts going. Sure. So I have to switch over to the synth to um, to kind of break away from that sometimes. Um, but yeah, most of the songs that I've written solo um, started on the keyboard. Um, with DC Talk, uh, most of those were written, you know, in a group setting with a keyboardist or a guitar player. Um, I wasn't the one really playing the keys in those early DC Talk songs from the standpoint of songwriting, I only played a little bit live, you know? Okay. So Mark Heimerman was the original songwriter with DC talk on the piano. Uh, he wrote a lot of our big songs. He's a um, yeah, he was a monster. And, you know, um, it, when we, when we got to like the Jesus freak album and the supernatural album, um, we were kind of starting to write all, all of us together. Supernatural we started writing at Miles Copeland's uh, writer's retreat. Oh, really? <laughs> That's what kicked off the whole album. Yeah. And we were in France um, at his place and it was the most crazy assortment of people ever, like Carol King <laughs> and Mark Hudson and one of the guys from PG Harvey's PJ Harvey's band. And it was like, we ended up writing my friend so long with Dominic Miller and Mark Hudson. Really? And, <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's cool. And Dominic Miller came in the, into the session with his guitar and was like, let's do something really screwed up. <laughs> and, and, uh, we ended up writing my friend so long. Uh, oh, I love that track. Yeah. I did notice uh, that you, way. you do have a lot more writing credit on the supernatural project than on the others, which makes sense if that's the way y'all uh, changed your, your process there then. Yeah, I mean, up until Jesus Freak, it was primarily Toby writing with Mark Heimerman. Um, Jesus Freak, then we we all kind of contributed, and I wrote um, 
I think I wrote on two or three different songs on that record. But yeah, it wasn't until Supernatural that we were all writing together. Excellent. What's a what's a um, what's one standout DC Talk song that you are just super proud of to this day? Oh man! I mean, I'm um, sure there's a million, but like, what's one that immediately you just go, "Oh man, I really love." There's not a million. <laughs> Five studio projects, so you've got to limit. Maybe you know, I can maybe whittle that down to like maybe ten songs that okay. I really love. Um, but uh, I can't. You know, it's that's so hard because it they're all different. I just I just did a podcast the other day where I explained this. I mean, some songs are great live that aren't as great in the studio situation. Yeah. And then some songs that, you know, are in the studio aren't great live. And so, uh, my friend so long, you know, it's like one of my favorite songs from a recorded standpoint, but, um, it's a really hard tune to play live. It just doesn't come off as great. Yeah. Whereas like mind's eye from Jesus freak, not one of my favorite songs on the record but when we play it live, I absolutely love it. And when you kill, um, you kill the second verse on that too. That's that's <laughs> you destroy that in the best of ways. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, thank you. I, I I tend to like what if I stumble a lot too yeah. because oh, yeah. it it's um it's really true of yeah. being a human that none of us have it together and and um, we're all trying to figure out what what this is all about and so uh, to go out with a question more than an answer is always is, is more interesting to me. One of the um, first songs I covered in youth group, uh, when you <laughs> learn that D minor chord, that awesome voicing of that, you want to show that off. So thank you for, <laughs> thank you for that, that little. Well, uh, we got to talk to you real quick as uh, we want to so, respect your time, but we yeah, have like absolutely. two or three and then we'll let you enjoy we'll, your yeah. day. So thank you so much, Kevin. You've been awesome. Yeah. No, man, this uh, has been fun so far. Good. Well, we'll try and we'll try and keep that. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll try um, to not bring it down. <laughs> But it's uh, inevitable. Something just brings it down. Well, here it comes. It's coming now. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. (laughs) Oh, Um, (laughs) jeez. No, but as we as we speak, um, just a a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, we lost one of the the giants of the like Christian music industry, and that would be Carmen. Oh, you're Um, right. You are bringing it. I I know, right? (laughs) But I'm going to try and I'm going to I'm going to bring it back up. I promise. Um, But uh, you know, you guys obviously were on uh, addicted to Jesus A2J with him, um, and just I would like to know just a little bit about your your memories of Carmen. Um, you know, we don't talk to too many people who who would have you know known him really in any way. So, just like to know a little bit about your your memories of Carmen, and then I have a real specific question that I'm going to bring <laughs> us back up with. Wow. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I mean, I, I, like I told you the, the beginning of the conversation, I'm. Or before we even started talking, my my memory is not the best when it comes to DC Talk stuff. It, sure, um, I have a uh, I don't know what it is about memory, but you know it only goes back so far for me. Right, and when it goes back to the early DC Talk days, it's hard to remember specific specifics. But I do know that um, that combination of us and him were or was like a label thing, I think, and. Okay. Toby might have known known about him or known him personally, but before I know it, I'm on this track and dancing around in this video. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, as a guy in your young twenties, you're just like going, What 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 is all this about? You know? And so I didn't I didn't know much about him until, you know, we 
we were on that record or what whatnot. And I got to be honest, it's not my favorite type of music. So I, I just, sure. you know, I looked at it as like, oh, that that's that was interesting. There's a you thing know? that we did. Uh, that was a there was a thing that we did. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, but you know, he had this huge following and just a huge crowd that loved everything that he did. And I don't think we've we ever played live on stage with him ever. You know, I, I don't think that song was actually there might've been discussions about us coming on the road and doing a song here and there, but we, that never happened. So, um, but I can say this, I, I, I can say that even though I thought his music was pretty cheesy and I did, I just didn't understand it really. Um, he was a really nice guy, yeah. you know, uh, the, the, the run-ins that I had with him, um, he seemed very, um, very nice. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I don't have anything bad or salacious to say. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, that's a good, that's a good answer. I that's just fine. didn't know. I didn't know much about what his his thing was all about. You know. Yeah. And and that's the true true scenario with DC Talk and the rest of the industry at that time. I mean, we were so busy on the road performing that uh, it was hard to keep up with other artists. Hmm. You know, interesting what other people were doing. I mean, in the, in the case of like Audio Adrenaline taking them out on the road with us. I mean, we didn't know much about them until, you know, we get, we got a demo tape. Oh, that was pretty cool. And then we were out on the road with them and that was done through our record label. And, uh, you know, one or two tour- tours in, we started realizing, man, these guys, these guys have a lot of potential. They can, they could create something really cool. And, um, but, uh, I think the one, the, the, the big band that kind of got away that we wanted to do shows with, you know, before we broke up was, was it a band called Delirious? Oh and yeah. We love Delirious. Guys, yeah. We were thinking about doing a, a co-build tour with them and it just never came to be. And, uh, I'd like to say it's their loss, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, the world's loss. Live in a can is fantastic. Mesomorphosis, King of Fools. We love yeah. everything delirious. Big, big so, delirious. Good guys call on that. Yeah. So, so since then, you know, Stu G, who who is the guitar player for Delirious, yep. has he and I have done a, a few things together um, solo, and uh, he played on a record that I made a couple of years back called um, "Playing Games with a Shadow," and he played all the guitars on that record, um, and that was also a John Painter produced record. So. You know, I got my, I got my hang with, with Stu Gerard. <laughs> After all, um, I, I know you said you don't remember much about your DC Talk days, but I'm going to help jar a few things. So your ha ha heaven bound video, you're wearing this awesome <laughs> mullet with long hair, kind of on yeah. top, kind of flat top. Um, the sweater vest and Jesus is just all right. Me and Rob are kings of the sweater vest. Yeah. So mad props on that. Oh yeah, that was my <laughs> and my hair was Fabio length. Oh, that's right. It, it was money. Gorgeous. Uh, we have a question in rap, rock, and soul on the VHS. Who is rap? Who is rock? And who is soul? Where are you in the equation of rap, rock, and soul? Well, I was all, all, always the most rock and roll. Okay, part of Rob wins. Thing. Rob Rob nailed it. He's like he's like <laughs> K Max is definitely the rocker of the of the group. So. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I think uh, we got one more for you. That yeah, we, we got one more that we ask everybody, everybody, and then we'll let you enjoy your day. So you're on tour, um, either with DC Talk, Audio Adrenaline, Solo Project, whatever, and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of it, I'll give you mine so you can think on it. I get a Three Musketeers bar, 
because it's the most ounces for the money. When I was growing up, mom said you could have any candy bar you want, and I picked the Three Musketeers bar because it's the most ounces. What is your gas station <laughs> snack food of choice? Oh, man. Um, this is going to be sounding re- really, really pretentious, but <laughs> I, when, when the rest of the band gets out of the bus to go into the gas station, I rarely get out. Oh, to go. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm kind of down on the whole, you know, gas station food thing, but I mean, when I've done it, okay, that'll know, work. We'll take which it. is uh few and far between when I've done it. Um, I tend to like salt and vinegar chips. Oh, okay. Like, lovely. Rob, Rob's, Rob's all about that. That's my thing. Salt and vinegar chips. I mean, I think sometimes I, I, I liked uh, the idea of, uh, what is the the step into a slim gym? Uh, there we go. You want to be Randy Savage? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, I mean, man, I've I'm become extremely picky. The older I've get, I've, you know, but I I throw that all to the wind and say, literally throw it to the wind when I say I, I still love Taco Bell. So there, there we go. go. Yeah. Um, Everybody gets to cheat know. at Taco Bell. That's okay. That's that's outstanding. <laughs> well, I, I love the salt and vinegar chips because it's like. I want a, I want a delicious treat, but I also want to hurt myself just a little bit. You know, there's just yes. that weird thing that they do in your to your tongue. It's uh, oh, it's wonderful. I'm, that makes I my think mouth. When water. I was really young and we were just starting out and stuff, there was some really uh, shady things that I put in to my um, <laughs> my body. You know, when it came to the the gas station food. I mean, you know, it was uh, you know, the the sketchy like cinnamon roll thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cinnamon buns or whatever. Honey buns, you, yeah. Honey buns, yeah. That. Yeah. You know, as a young man, you know, you just don't really care about carbs or sugar <laughs> or whatever. So you're just kind of like, yeah, I'll just do whatever. Yeah. You know? That's right. Kevin, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. Very cool. Just let people know Sad Astronauts. Um, Absolutely. Is going to be the the thing when the this future drops. of rock and roll. It, it, it's, I, I've said it many times already on, on social media, but I think it's, um, it's one of the best indie indie alt records of this year already. I haven't heard anything that beats it yet. So, awesome. um, you know, but obviously, I'm I'm a little uh, it's biased. That, it's good that you're no. proud of it. That's yeah, good. That's right. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> well, hopefully, people will dig it. And hey, thank you so much for the opportunity. Great talking to you guys. Absolutely, the pleasure's ours. Thanks, guys. All okay, right. take care. Cheers. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ha ha oh. oh. That was Kevin Max of DC Talk. That's so cool, y'all. For I, I know if you're if you're if you've lived on secular music your whole life, this may not have meant anything to you this episode. <laughs> but to me and JP, who were like steeped in Christian culture and subculture, and you know, it, it's meant this the world. Special, yeah. To even do a DC Talk episode has been super fun, and then to get to talk to Kevin uh, was just was just really fun. So that's all we got for this week. But next week, though, Grand is finale. the season finale for season seven. Do not miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun, uh, and we can't wait to get it to you. And uh, so y'all know we go big on the finales. That's right. So it's epic epicness for the season seven finale. So uh, we'll see you guys next week with an epic closer. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music.